Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, uh, episode 871, Friday morning, if you're listening when it comes out. Uh, interview with John Keating. Uh, this was kind of a separate question that he asked, or uh, most of it with about uh, doctoring cards, card doctors. Uh, in other words, alterations, some authorized, some not so authorized. And he wanted to know what my experience was with that. And we had a, a 10 or 12 minutes of back and forth on that. So thanks, John. Thanks also sponsors, Tops Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Hugs and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So uh, as you know, John Keating has his own uh, podcast, That 70s Card Show. And uh, back in the 70s, I don't think they're really actually in the it, actually there were a couple of card doctors in the 70s. They were paper uh, conservation people and they were very much on the hush hush. But I kind of was aware of them because I tried to be aware of everything. And uh, like I said, I think they have a lot more integrity than than what you would think. Uh, they're they're skilled technicians. Uh, my my problem is I, I don't want to see uh, uh, fraud. I don't want to see people passing off things. Uh, without uh, disclosure. So you know, if you want to do it, just uh, tell like it is and, and let the chips fall where they may. There's some, there's some altered authentic cards that are, that, that are beautiful. And uh, if they've been uh, illegally doctored, according to the standards of the, in the industry, then uh, they, they should be priced accordingly. Anyway, here it is. Ever had any dealings or aware of these card doctors, especially since we were doing BGS and launching BGS did you ever try to get into the mind of what those people do? Denny, my original co-author, who was more of a publisher for me, Denny Eckes, great friend and major distributor that really helped me get launched. We had a wonderful business partnership in the late 70s, in the very early 80s. He actually had some chemistry background. Yeah. And there were some of those early guys then that if there were stains on the backs of the cards or tape or things like that, he had experimented himself. And so that's my first acquaintance with it. He said, you know, that there are solvents that, that will not be detectable. Right. Get rid of the tape. There'll be a faint stain or get rid of the stain, a gum stain on the back. I've had some cards that were disfigured. I am totally against additive restoration, but I'm not totally against subtractive restoration. In other words, removing something right. from the card that was not intended to be there. Certainly, if there's a fingerprint on the card, you could wipe the fingerprint off. Right. You know, if you drop the card on its corner, it's your card. It was mint out of the pack and you dropped it, then you're going to take your hand and you're going to try to smooth out the corner. Now, whether you take a spoon or some other, I'm not in favor of flattening the card to the point where you could then trim it because it was bigger. Right. So as long as it's subtractive, restorative in that manner, and I've talked to several of these restorer type people, and surprisingly, I think they have good ethics. They tell you what they can do and can't do and what they're unwilling to do. One of the guys, in fact, would put a micro dot on any card that he had worked on in the back. Again, I don't know if this guy's deceased now, but he actually did some additive stuff. But he would put a little micro dot in the lower right corner or whatever it was of the back of the card. I never used that guy. He wasn't a terrible person. Right. Uh, like we've said, in some industries, there's nothing wrong with that. Defrauding is wrong. 
But if you're doing something and you're disclosing it, and I'm wondering when there's going to be the boom in authentic altered cards that look fabulous, that are knowingly and fully disclosed as being slightly altered and have fabulous eye appeal. Yeah, the problem with altered is they can be subtractive or additive, right? Need to be more clear about that. It right. needs to be. I think the cards I've sent in cards to BGS, especially obviously, and I'll get bounced back on some that they say this evidence of trimming. I got some of the cards I got were not my original cards, and so that's possible. And I will maybe question them and say, are you sure? But they're sure. If it's my card I send in, they send it back evidence of trimming. They've looked at it more than once. Right. So I, I can take their word for it. But it's still a nice looking card. And it's almost imperceptible, but not imperceptible. The challenge in grading and in the hobby is these undetectable alterations. And that's going to be a problem for every grading service. It already is. You know, so what good is a micro dot if there's only one person uh, that can read that microdot or knows to look for that microdot. It's not like all the grading companies okay. are looking out. No, I've thought about that. And I do think the grading companies do look UV. at the fronts and backs of cards with UV lighting. And I think it would pop. Okay. So even though it's a microdot, it, it will colorate when you shine some light on it. Well, you so need to I know what you're looking that. for though, right? Well, I think it'll stand out. It yeah. is a microdot. Your magnification, right. uh, I, th- I think it's visible. So it's not a reprint, but there's a little tiny dot placed on there. The other thing that makes me want to address that question, John, is that it's here to stay, this doctoring of cards. It's not something that's going to go away. In fact, they're going to get better and better. And so it requires the graders to become better and better. What we talked about when I was in charge is that I think we need to encapsulate. In fact, I'd like to make it encapsulated in a way that you couldn't crack the slab. Right. <laughs> encapsulate it in Fort Knox and put it in a concrete slab. Right. It, loose sight. There you go. Your toast. This card yeah. is now forever encapsulated, is altered by trimming or colored or something that's not kosher. So if we go down that road, and it seems like if we allow that, according to your scheme, then it, we're getting back to just enjoying cards, regardless of whether they're altered or not, right? Which is a positive. I, I think that's coming. If somebody showed you an altered 52 tops mantle, and I'm not talking about counterfeit, but an altered that really presented well, and it was ten thousand bucks, let's say. I think most people would either pay the money or go to the bank to get the money. Right. It's an authentic card that was produced in 1952, and it was trimmed, a quarter inch trim, let's say, on right. two sides to make it look. So it's a shrunk card, obviously a shrunk card, but it's like the half Wagner. It, right. It didn't sell for half, but it sold for six figures. Right. And so I think if it's a legitimate card, not a counterfeit, I think those prices have room to go up. And again, it's not a lot of bragging rights to say I have the nicest altered mail card. On the other hand, when people come over and see your collection and you've got a 52 tops mantle and it has an A on it, people aren't going to say what that means. It's well, it's A, B, C, D, F. Right, right. You got an A on your card. Great job, right. John. That looks right. great. I got a 54 Jackie Robinson tops that I toy with getting slab, right? I got a couple of mantles too that I don't have slab. And what's stopping me is who cares, right? It would be the same thing if I had an altered 52 mantle. 
But if I didn't have a slab, it's like I had the card, big deal. I mean, there's cards in my collection, I'm sure, that are altered that I don't know. Probably a 54 Bowman or something like that, but doesn't bother me. It would only bother me if I get it graded, I guess. But Both of the BGS guys over the years now, because I give them cards kind of once a year and wait till the next year to get them back. But when I give them these cards, I tell them, even if it would be altered, I don't mind getting an A grade because a specific card is going for my wall. Right. If you see my card wall, I'm not going to be ashamed of having a rare card. Now, if it's a common card, a less valuable card, I don't want an altered card. But an A grade is not offending to me. And so I want to have it in the holder. I know people come over and see your cards. It's a little queasy to put in their hand a card that is not slapped. <laughs> I'll tell you a story about that. Yes. I hope it's not a horror story because I've had people mess up cards. No, I gave a talk last week. My wife works as a senior assistant home. So I gave a talk about baseball cards, right? I had 52 reprint, Mantle, Honest reprint, Plank, Maggie, Ajiway from 33. They were in top loaders, but I handed them around. I told them what the prices were. They weren't letting go because they thought they had millions of dollars in their hands. <laughs> it doesn't matter to them. It's just they were reprints, but they didn't care. They thought they were touching history. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, they weren't holding your retirement in their hands. So. No, not at all. But it was fun. It was fun for them to hold the cards and think they were doing something. What historical sporting event would you have liked to have attended? Well, I won't say before and after Diane, but basically, once you get married and have a family, a lot of that stuff goes out the window. You're not as free. I was single till I was 30, and I just could go to all these great events that I wanted to go to. I'd jump on a plane or jump in a car, go with some buddies. And not everything was on TV. You really had to be there. And I saw some great, great events. Then all of a sudden, life gets complicated. Life gets busy. And so lately, I've become a TV fan. That's so depressing. But to jump on a plane and go to L.A. or New York for a big game. I just, I haven't done that lately. Yeah, but you have to look at it from a historical context. Of all the events in the past that have happened, which one would you have liked to have attended? That's the spirit of the question right there. Well, a miracle on ice, okay. like Placid, except that I would have had tickets to the finals, not the semis. Probably. Yeah, the semis, yeah, yeah. That's that, the problem. It happened, yeah. You can't know. It's like my buddies that got tickets for the Aaron Judge series where he was in Texas with the Rangers and they got tickets to the first game of the three and the last game of the three <laughs> at the middle game necessarily. Right. It's right. been some great football games, some great basketball games. I'll tell you what, I'll flip your question. The biggest disappointment of any game sporting event I've been to that was so below my expectations and such a frustration was the basketball all-star game. Oh, had, of course. It was in Dallas. I had fabulous seats as a longtime season ticket holder, and it was miserable. We took another couple, and they were great. We really enjoyed talking. But it's like I have courtside seats regularly, and these were the courtside season ticket holders got kind of not courtside, but in the same vicinity. But it was like 50 rows back. Right. It's all the dignitaries got the closer seats. And so I'm sure I got the best seats I could get for that, but the Mavericks didn't get that inner circle of seats and it was in Jerry world. And so you're just watching the giant screen Yep. and then nobody's playing defense. After that, I said, you know what? I don't want to go to any more all-star games. (laughs) I'm not even going to watch basketball all-star games on TV. 
I don't really want to watch football All-Star games. Baseball All-Star games, I will try to watch that every year. In fact, I've done a dinner most of the years of baseball fans that we come together like the night before the All-Star game of serious baseball fans in the area. So I've had a lot of fun with my men's dinners. But So I don't really have a bucket list of things I want to do. I have no regrets. I've been at some great events. It's really exciting to be at a live event. It's not exciting driving there or getting out of the parking lot afterwards. No, no, not Especially at all. Especially the experience with some buddies and who are equally avid. Uh, that, that's been great. Mine would have been the 36 Berlin Olympics. I think that. Oh, with Jesse Owens? Yeah, I think that that would have been the most amazing thing to see. Yeah, one of my buddies got a gold medal in the 1960, maybe, Rome Olympics. Rome, that's an Ali one, right? Yeah, when Ali, he wasn't a boxer, but he was a track. <laughs> but just being part of that, there's just an ambiance of that. Yeah. You know, for me in the hobby, the Nationals been like that. It's something I can't miss. The industry summits, especially when they were in Hawaii with Kit Young, who was and still is a close friend, uh, those were landmark events. The man 